Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Church on the Trail. We are so excited that you've chosen to worship with us today. Now listen up, because we have some awesome announcements coming your way. The jail ministry here at Church on the Trail is a great opportunity to share the gospel, your personal testimony, and love on the inmates at the Muskogee County Jail. If you would like to be a part of this in some way, we are going to have an interest meeting right after service next Sunday. We would love to have you come join us. Okay guys, it's almost that time again. Our next midweek gathering is happening on March 18th. This is an awesome time to be able to come together, have good community, and also eat some good food. So if you guys are interested, you can sign up at our connections desk or visit our church website. Dinner is gonna be at 6 p.m. and it's $5 a person or no more than $20 per family. Again, we would love to have you guys come join us. Lastly, we wanted to give you guys a quick reminder about our 412 student ministry that meets every Sunday at 6 p.m. If you are a middle schooler or high school student, we would love to have you come be a part of this with us. So be here tonight at 6 p.m. If you missed any of those announcements, you can come check out our black wall here in the lobby or check out the church website. Again, we are so excited that you are here with us this morning and we hope you enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, y'all. Great to be here this morning. I'm excited. It's going to been a great morning so far. I want to welcome you here. My name is Ed Griffin-Hagen. I'm one of the pastors on our staff at Church on the Trail, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Got folks watching online through the Facebook stream, uh, and y'all are the ones that I guess did your clocks right this morning and made your way here. Um, <clears throat> but I want to welcome you. If this is your first time here, I would love, Richard uh, Moore and Rhonda Moore are on the sides. If this is your first time here, if you'd raise your hand, we just want to get this little welcome pack in your hands. It's got, just kind of gives you the DNA of our church. Inside of here is also a little card that says get connected on it. And there's also one of these in the seat back in front of you. And if this is your first time, or if you've never filled one of these out, or if you've got something you need from us or want us to do, pray for you about anything, this is just a way for you to connect um, to our church family. And I want you to know that we, we go through these every week, and our staff and our elder team and our prayer team pray over our church and the folks that are here every week. So fill one of those out. Just uh, take it to the connections desk, which is directly across from that door opening. Um, I want to remind you, too, that we've got a – our prayer team is in the back, and, it, and, and after – uh, the worship service every Sunday, uh, there are folks that, that love you, that want to pray for you, that want to lift you up, that want to hold your hand, that want to come alongside of you in any needs that you have. So I'd encourage you when we're done with worship today that, to go back there if there's anything that you need uh, there. The last thing I want to say before I introduce our guest is, you know, Easter's coming up on the 12th of April, and uh, we will be out on our church land, which is a thousand yards or so down the street down flat rock road outside the you know there's going to be probably in the neighborhood of a thousand people there and it takes a lot of, of, of we call them door holders around here volunteers to pull that off and i want to encourage you and a lot of folks signed up last week right outside this door is two tables with the different teams and it takes about in the neighborhood of a hundred folks a uh, hundred door holders a hundred volunteers a hundred servants to pull that off and so I really want to encourage you to jump in because here's what happens on Easter. 
Very often, it's the one time a year that, that many people come to church. It's the one time a year that people will come and they may be giving God one last chance. And y'all, the reason that we exist, God chose the church to be the vehicle that he uses to tell the world about him. And so that's what happens on Easter. That's what happens here every Sunday. Particularly on Easter, there's a much bigger audience and there's a slug of people that walk onto that land every year lost as a goose and they walk off of that land saved. And so that's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. And it takes a ton of volunteers to pull that off. So I encourage you to be part of that and you can sign up right out there. So I want to introduce uh, a very special guest that's going to preach today. His name is Lee McBride. Uh, we've been friends at first, I, come on out. At first, I thought uh, it was about 98, 97, or 98. I thought that's when we met because our, our kids played t-ball together, uh, or against each other, I guess. And I thought that's when we, I thought that's when we met. So that, even that's been a long time. Lee may tell you the, a little bit of the rest of the story that we really didn't meet in 98 or 99, but y'all give uh, Lee McBride a big hand. Thanks, bro. It is so good for me to be here with you this morning. I'm a preacher's kid. I've been preaching since I was 19. Uh, I grew up with two heroes, my dad and a guy named Jerry Clower. Anybody remember Jerry Clower? Yeah. So I fell in love at a very young age with the power of telling a story. So basically what I do is I just tell stories and try to point people to Jesus. In 2004, Wendy and I started, my wife and I started a ministry called Hidden Hook Ministries, and we just fish for people. And I use storytelling and humor to try to hide the bait. And so I do about 40 or 50 wild game suppers a year. I still preach five weeks of youth camp. I got five youth camps this summer. Let me tell you something, five youth camps at 54 years old is tough. <laughs> five weeks of youth camp will kill a youth. And it has unique challenges. How, is there anybody in here that presently is the parent or grandparent of a middle school boy. Raise your hand, middle school boy. Keep your hands up. Everybody look around these people with their hands up. We're gonna pray for them special. <laughs> because let me tell you something about preaching middle school camp. Somewhere the world has lied to middle school boys and they have bought into the lie that Axe body spray <laughs> is equivalent to taking a bath. So like the third night of camp in the altar, there is a, a very unique smell of <laughs> funk and Axe body spray. And if you let a middle school boy go swimming one time that week, he's good, he ain't taking another bath. I mean, it's just tough. But I, I love preaching. People say, how can you still do those camps? You're 54. Because I, I love young people. and. I don't know if you know this, but the telling of a story is not going to go away. No matter how much culture changes, no matter how much social media changes this culture, people still love to hear a good story. And I believe that if we know Christ is our Savior, we got a good story to tell, don't we? Amen. 
Now, I don't know when the last time you've told your Jesus story, but I want you to know that you're mandated and commanded in Scripture to be a teller of your Jesus story. Sometimes we put a lot of pressure. Are we good? Sometimes we put a lot of pressure on church staffs to keep coming up with a under a budget with these creative, awesome evangelical uh, or evangelistic events. And I'm all for them. I'm an evangelist. But that that's really not the blueprint of how we're supposed to win folks to Christ. The blueprint that God gave us was that you look for opportunities all week to tell your Jesus story to somebody. I'm not talking about arguing religion. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but in this culture, when we start talking to somebody, if we believe a little different than they do, theologically or politically, we've kind of lost the ability to reason together. It gets heated and it gets out of hand really quick. But do you know there is no debate about your Jesus story? There's no argument. Now, people may not believe it at first, but it's not your job to make them believe it. The Holy Spirit is going to help them believe it because it's the truth. So I just look for opportunities to tell my Jesus story. Now, when I stand up in front of groups like this, I just want you to know I, 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 I talk to 100 football teams every August in 30 days. I do five weeks of youth camp. 40 wild game suppers a year, 45 Sunday mornings a year preaching in a different church, all kinds of churches, big ones, little ones, alive ones, dead ones, <laughs> charismaniacs, six flags over Jesus. I mean, all kinds of churches. None of what I do corporately excuses me from what God has called me to do personally. That does not excuse me from when I'm next to somebody on a plane or when I run into somebody from looking for an opportunity to tell my Jesus story one-on-one. -on -one. That was the blueprint. So I'm just here this morning to share a story. I want to say a couple things. I did meet your pastor. I, I love Pastor Ed Griffin Hagen. I love his family. We did meet at a younger age than what he said. Actually, I think we were in the sixth grade. And I played football for the mighty Pioneer Colts. We had a perfect season. We did not win a game. <laughs> but Pioneer, we, we didn't have quite enough to have a team. And Clubview didn't have quite enough to have a team. So we combined to make one team. And we played at Pioneer. And we didn't have a quarterback. We actually had some pretty good players. They had some good players. But we didn't have a quarterback. And so when we merged, we got good news that Clubview had a quarterback. And his name was Ed Griffinhagen. And I was a sinner. So I don't mean this in a weird way, but your pastor has touched my butt a bunch of times. A bunch of times. <laughs> Not in a weird way. So the coach in the very first game, I don't know why he did this. We were in the sixth grade. He let Ed call his own plays. So Ed, being the humble spirit that he is, called quarterback sweet right, first down. Then he called quarterback sweet left on second down. 
Then he called quarterback Sweet Bright again, I think. And on the third play of the first game, he broke his arm. And I don't mean a little bit. I mean a whole bunch, and he's out for the season. We didn't see him again until we were up at Bonanza handing out trophies. I mean, he was gone. But that's the first time I met him. I have a lot of respect for your pastor. I, we, we're very different. Our giftings are very different. But uh, we've always had a very unique friendship. I'm just excited to be here today because he is such a good friend. That can really be a distraction to me because you really want to do good because you love somebody. And I, I just want to be honest with you today. More important than me doing what anybody would consider good, I, I just want to obey the Holy Spirit. And there's somebody in here today that's probably counting on the fact that we prayed and fasted about this service and that we're taking it serious and that we're going to be obedient and we're going to have the courage and the patience to be led of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to compare this service to any other service I've ever been in in my life. I just want to be led. So let's pray one more time if we can. Dear Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, we're so humbled. What a beautiful day. Lord, we thank you for a little break from the rain. Lord, what a beautiful day it is. Lord, and I know with this many people in one room, somebody has come into this room today with a secret. And the enemies whispered in their ear many times, if people knew your secret, they wouldn't love you anymore. Or they wouldn't love you to the point they love you now. But, Lord, I'm just reminded of the fact that you say in Romans that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were sinners... Just at the right time, he gave his one and only son for us. So you know their secret. And you gave your son for them anyway. Lord, there are people here that are hurting. There are people in here today, Lord, to be completely honest, that don't need to sing another song and probably don't need to hear a sermon, but they need to feel your presence in a very real way today. And the only way that'll happen is if it is you and not us. So that's what we want today, Lord. We're begging. Use us and guide us. In your precious name we pray. And everybody said. Amen. You can turn to Matthew chapter 26 in your Bible or on your device. Uh, I do want to say a couple things really quick. I have a table outside because I speak a bunch of times throughout the year for free. And just to be honest with you, Selling hats helps me get to them free gigs. So I don't really sell them. There's a gas jug, and if you want a hat, you want to make a little donation, that's fine. If you want a hat and ain't got a donation, take one and uh, tell people about what we're doing. And then also I want to tell you that about a year ago, we got background music? <laughs> okay. Am I crazy? Do y'all hear music? Okay. Huh? No worries. So, I, because I'm a believer in people telling their Jesus story, I started a podcast. And all it is, is I, as I travel, I collect people's Jesus stories. And we put them on that podcast. And if you ever could do something that would help my ministry, that would take... 15 seconds, it wouldn't cost you a penny 
It would be go to where you have podcasts on your phone and search for The Hidden Hook. And it's just a conglomeration of people's Jesus stories. And on March the 20th, there's a podcast I think you'll be interested in that's called A Costly Quest. And it's your pastor's Jesus story. That'll be March 20th's episode. We came and recorded it the other day. So we are looking so forward to being here. Matthew 26, verse 6. Now, while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. And when she poured it on his head, as he was reclining at the table, when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. These are the same dudes fixing to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And they're worried about a bottle of perfume. Awarded, uh, aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. What she has done today, uh, when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout this world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are, 2,000 years later, Church on the Trail, Columbus, Georgia, telling her story. I, I, I believe in the saying, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, I used to hear my uncle say this all the time. That girl is as pretty as a speckled pup. Now, some people might not think that's real pretty. Some people may not want their wife to look like a speckled puppy dog. But to my uncle, that was beautiful. Some of you ladies have an idea of what beautiful is. Some of you like think that at the mall on Saturday morning, when they roll those doors and chains up and open up those retail stores, that that's beautiful. I hate the mall. That's scary to me. Nothing good happens to a fat boy at the mall except that big salty pretzel. That's it. I mean, when you go to the mall with your wife at some point, she's going to ask you to hold her purse. There's no manly way to hold a purse. I've tried every way you could do. I've tried to act like I'm throwing a spiral with a football, tuck it in the back of your pants like you do your glove when you're coaching first base. I've tried everything. Also, if you're a big guy and you're not paying attention, the way they have those stores set up, you'll be somewhere where you're not supposed to be. When you're 6'4 and you'll feel dressed 285 and you're standing out in front of Victoria's, it ain't no secret. I'm telling you, it ain't no secret. People are, why that weirds people out. But it really doesn't matter what I think is beautiful or what you think is beautiful, but I find it amazing what Christ would consider beautiful. And if we can do one thing in our life on this earth, that is described in the scripture as a vapor that Christ calls beautiful. I want to know about that. He said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. 
Matthew chapter 26, it says, first of all, they were in the home of Simon the leper. Now, this is weird. It makes no sense. Now, I don't know if you know much about leprosy. I don't know if you've ever been to a part of the world where leprosy is still a problem because it's really not that big a problem in our, in our culture. Matter of fact, there's only one critter in Muskogee County, Georgia, carries leprosy. Does anybody know what it is? An armadillo. So run off the road, hit every one of them. Then drag them home with a chain, set them on fire, pour bleach in their eyes. They are worthless. They're worthless. And if you're an animal lover and that offended you, my email is Pastor E.D. Griffinhagen <laughs> at Church on the Trail. They really are a worthless creature. We don't understand how to deal with leprosy because we, we kind of, we're advanced beyond that. But let me just say this to you really quickly. That in Matthew 26, verse 6, if you had leprosy, it was a big deal. They take your clothes and burn them, give you something else to wear. You couldn't ever, 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 if the high priest declared you unclean because of boil on your skin, you could never touch anybody ever again. You couldn't hug your babies. You couldn't kiss your spouse. I mean, leprosy destroys intimacy. Matter of fact, you couldn't drink out of the same water source. You couldn't bathe in the same stream. I want you to double check me. I want you to do the research. Please don't trust me. Do this research. That if you walked on a common road and you were a leper, you had to carry a noisemaker. Some theologians believed it was kind of like a bell. And then I read where some guys say that it was bones that they would have to clack together and make noise. And when you saw somebody on a common road in your eyesight, you had to say three times as loud as you could, unclean, 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 so that people would know you were a leper and could stay away from you. Leprosy was a big deal, Matthew 26. It destroys intimacy. I'll tell you another thing leprosy does is it becomes your whole identity. I don't know if people really care about your resume before leprosy. Once you were unclean, once you were a leper, that was your identity. So it's a weird verse of scripture, Matthew 26, verse 6, because Simon's at home and he's a leper. What's even weirder is that there were other people there with him. But if you'll do a little research, here's what you'll find. That because of a confrontation with Jesus Christ, what was unclean was made clean. Can you say amen this morning? Is there anybody in here that can identify with Simon? Was your heart wicked and deceitful? Was it vile? Mine was. My life was unclean. And I was letting sin destroy the intimacy, not only with God, but in my relationships. And it was becoming my identity. But because of the blood of Jesus Christ, it is a true statement that what is unclean can be made clean. Now John 12 tells another version of this story. Most theologians believe it's the exact same story I do. But there are some legitimate theologians that believe it's just a very, very similar story. But really, that doesn't matter for the point I'm making this morning. There was somebody else in this room that had a physical ailment. 
His name was Lazarus. Anybody remember Lazarus' physical ailment? Say what? Yeah, he was dead. Now, bad as leprosy is, being dead's worse than having leprosy. And I don't mean he died for 14 seconds, wrote a blog, they put him in Charisma magazine. I mean, this guy been dead a few days. Dead. They already had his funeral. Dead. They in the fellowship all eating tater salad, telling Lazarus stories. Dead. I mean, he's dead. How weird would your worship experience be this morning if you came in and sat next to somebody who you had attended their funeral? That's weird, isn't it? It's morbid. That's weird. Lazarus is there. How many of you grew up in church? I want you to raise your hand if you were in church as a child. Y'all remember vacation Bible schools? You remember Kids Crusade? Did anybody else besides me, do y'all remember when you had to memorize a certain number of scriptures at VBS or Kids Crusade to get a prize? Do y'all remember that? We had this treasure chest full of prizes. And we all had to memorize a scripture every night. Five scriptures you'd get in the treasure chest. Well, the first scripture that we all memorized was the easiest scripture in the word to memorize because it's only two words. Jesus wept. Monday night is done with a two-word scripture. Jesus wept. Well, that scripture is very definitive of this story. And isn't it amazing what motivates us to get in the word of God? I mean, am I going to step into heaven and the Lord's going to say, Lee, just be honest with me. What really drew you to my word at first? Am I going to have to tell him, Lord, I don't know if it was the Chinese handcuffs or the vampire teeth. <laughs> it was to get in that treasure chest. I went to a Presbyterian BBS one time when I was a kid. This is a true story. They had candy cigarettes in the treasure chest. <laughs> that just don't seem right. For God so loved the world. You know, I mean, a candy cigarette. Jesus wept as described. See, Lazarus and Jesus had a very close earthly relationship. They were boys. Jesus is out of town. Lazarus gets deathly sick. They send for Jesus. They explain to Jesus, you've got to get back. Lazarus ain't going to make it. Jesus said, it'll be all right. By the time Jesus gets back, Lazarus is dead. They don't have his funeral. And Lazarus is Family is sideways with Jesus. Furious, we tried to tell you. And their lack of faith broke his heart. I wonder if my lack of faith ever hurt Christ. I wonder if I ever thought my, a need that I had was so big and so bad or so far gone that there was no way Jesus could intervene on my behalf. I wonder if there's people that think they've been in sin so long, it's so bad, it's so habitual, we glorify to the sin, sin to the point it makes me sick to my stomach. I speak at men's retreats all over this country. Churches, districts, groups, congregations. And, and we're, we're getting guilty of glorifying sin. I don't care what the sin is. Okay, how sick and twisted and powerful it is. It is sin, and where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. 
We don't need special dispensations from heaven to defeat things like pornography or eating disorders. As sick and twisted as they can be, the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any trick, scheme, or sin out of hell. That's just the simple truth. So, you know the story. Jesus speaks life. Lazarus arises. So if with Simon, what is unclean can be made clean, we have to derive from Lazarus' story that through the blood of Jesus Christ, what is dead can live again. I've seen Christ blow life, a breath of life into a marriage that the world had already declared dead and had a funeral. I've seen Jesus Christ breathe life into a business that everybody around them told them, you need to close the doors and go to the house. I've seen Jesus breathe life into things that the world declares dead, but it is a true statement just as is that the blood of Jesus Christ can make what is unclean clean. He can make what is dead live again. So you got Simon and Lazarus, and then you got this lady. It's a weird, awkward little story. I have no idea. I mean, it weirded me out why Jesus called this beautiful. They're in a room. They're reclining around a table, and this lady comes in with this jar of perfume. It's described in the scripture as worth a year's wages. What if next Sunday, Pastor Ed says, we're going to have a special fundraiser next Sunday. We're not going to sell light bulbs or oranges or wrapping paper. We're not going to have a rock-a-thon or a car wash. What I want everybody to do is just bring your W-2 and bring your checkbook and just write us a check for the amount of your W-2 and your earnings in 2019. I couldn't do that if I wanted to. I mean, I, I, if I sold my house, I guess I could. That'd be the only way I could do it. She gave me what was worth a year's wages. But even something that smells good in a small room, a bunch of men, and a big jar, that's just too much. I can just smell the stench in that room. And I'm not a real big proponent of perfume or cologne. I mean, I don't spend a lot of money. I, this morning I'm wearing Rolo. Anybody familiar with Rolo? Smells like polo. Rolo. <laughs> it's seven dollars. Just squirt it a couple more times. Instead of a man riding a polo horse swinging a mallet, it's a farmer riding a donkey swinging a bush axe. But it's seven dollars. Just squirt it a couple more times. Why? There, there are men at this table that have left their families, their jobs, and they're following Jesus every step he's taken. He didn't describe what they did as beautiful. Matter of fact, he stays ill with them about half the time. Why this bizarre little story of this lady and this big jar of perfume? Well, I've studied it, and I'm going to tell you why I think Christ called what she did beautiful. Number one, 
you have to know a little bit about her past. Now, I'm kind of an old school preacher. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a little old school. I don't believe in trying to edge up the word. I had these guys for months tell me, you got to hear this guy preach. You got to hear this guy preach. Oh, big league, you got to hear this guy. Oh, this is the guy. Dude up in Charlotte, so I started listening to him. He cusses in the pulpit. I believe anybody cusses in the pulpit, I'll be shot at dawn. I mean, you know, and I'm like, we don't have to edge it up. It's a two-edged sword. It's a scalpel. It's sharp enough. So I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to be contemporary or edgy. There's just not another way to say it that you have to know this lady's story. And before this lady walked into this room, and before she broke this jar of perfume, and before she took her hair and washed the feet of Jesus, what was unclean in her life had been made clean. But before that, she was the town whore, and every man in that room knew it. The town whore picked to anoint Jesus for burial. How does that even make sense? Well, the only way it makes sense is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. What is unclean can be made clean, and what is dead can live again. And because he will remove you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. Because if we repent of our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because she had the faith to live forgiven. Pastor Ed said, we're going to go a thousand yards down the road. We're going to put up a tent. We're going to bring in Big Lee. And we're going to talk three nights. We're going to have a tent revival about faith. You would believe that I was either preaching about healing or money. But can I tell you, it takes a lot of faith to live forgiven. Let me tell you where she had gotten in her faith. Do you think she didn't understand the nature of men? She did. Do you think she didn't realize people were going to be indignant? She did. Do you think she didn't know it was going to bother those guys? She did. Here's where she got to in her faith. It was more important for her to obey what Christ called her to do today than her failures of yesterday. She was more concerned what Christ considered she was doing than what people were going to say about what she was doing. She was more worried about what Christ thought than what people thought. And when we get to that point in our faith, we become dangerous to the enemy. That's how Paul said, death, where's your victory? Sin, where's your sting? He had no fear. He had gotten to the point he didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people said. His only motivation was to obey Christ. The second reason, last thing I'm saying is that Jesus called it beautiful. Y'all come on up, worship him. It's because she only had one thing on earth worth anything. A jar of perfume. You know, one time I was on a missions trip in a little country in Siberia called Tuva. I was in Kazil. Tuva. And the denomination that I was a part of at that time picked four youth pastors. We, they sent us over there to Siberia and Russia. 
because they were starting evangelical churches so fast, they didn't have time to do the kids' ministries and the youth ministries. So we just went from these little villages training churches how to start youth ministries. It was a tough trip. We ate boiled potatoes every meal for 10 days. We had to take something with us that wouldn't spoil. We could peel potatoes, start a fire, boil them, and eat them. I did not eat French fries for 13 years after I got back from Atria. It was terrible. It was cold. There was a, a, I've been on about 50 missions trips, foreign missions trips. I understand language barriers, but you just don't understand what it's like in Siberia. It's like you're talking to Charlie Brown's teacher. There's no emotion. There's no tone, you know. It was just a tremendous language barrier we were trying to overcome. I was tired. I was sick. I was ready to come home. You ever wanted to come home so bad your bones ached? I wanted to come home. So about the 10th day, I was so glad we had had a, a successful trip, but I wanted to come home. So as a comedian, I traveled doing some comedy things. I always wanted to have a gig that was so big that when you came down the escalator in the airport, there's a driver down there with your name on the sign. Have y'all seen that in the movies, like where the dude's got your name on the sign? I thought, man, if I could just do one gig where there's a chauffeur down there waiting with your name on a sign. We flew from Kazil to Kresnyarsk, Siberia, Kresnyarsk to Moscow. We were supposed to go Moscow to JFK, JFK to Atlanta. And then I'm getting off the plane in Atlanta and driving straight to Crystal. And I'm going to get 12 Crystal cheeseburgers. <laughs> and I'm going to get two orders of chili and I'm going to drag them cheeseburgers through that chili and I'm gonna drink it down with a chocolate shake. No fries, no fries. I don't want no fries. But when we get there in Moscow, there's a guy down there with our name on the sign and we think, this is fantastic. But it was our travel agent, they messed up our flight. He said, you got to stay one more day. I didn't want to stay another day. He said, but to make it up to you, we're going to send you to Zurich, Switzerland. I didn't want to go to Zurich, Switzerland. I want to go to Columbus, Georgia. So they start trying to sell Zurich on me. They're like, oh, that's where they make the finest timepieces on earth. I said, no, it is not. I had on a Timex Iron Man. I said, I paid $27 for that watch nine years ago. I have washed it in the washing machine and left it in the woods. There cannot be a finer timepiece on this earth. They said, oh, that's where they make Swiss Army knives. I'm a dude. I like a knife. I like a gun. I can skin a buck. I can run a trot line. I mean, I'm that kind of guy. Never understood Swiss Army knife. It's a survival knife. It's got a corkscrew on it. <laughs> Have you ever been in a desperate survival situation and thought, if I only had a corkscrew? <laughs> We could make it. I've only found one use for that corkscrew on that knife. You know when you open a can of vine sausages? You know how you'll tear three or four of them up trying to dig that middle sausage out? Some of you are looking at me holy and pious. Do you think we don't know you eat vine sausages? Some of you have broken the tine on a plastic fork trying to bust that middle sausage out. Well, if you'll take that corkscrew, ease it down that middle sausage and fish it out gently, you can get all your sausages intact. <laughs> so they send us to Zurich. 
All the guys on the trip go to tour Zurich. I go to hotel. I figure the quicker I lay down, the quicker I wake up, the quicker we're going home. I get right to the hotel and there's this perfume shop. In the front of that perfume shop is this big blue twisty bottle of perfume. And it's got one of them an atomizer on it. I never bought any smell good with a I got one on my Roundup jug, but I've never had one on any smell good. I had $285 American money in my pocket. I said, how much for the big blue? I was missing my wife, man. I wanted to get home and snuggle up to my wife, smooch on my babies. How much for that bottle of perfume? They said, 218. I don't even think my car I was driving at that time cost $218. But I bought that big, blue, twisty bottle of perfume for my wife. I gave it to her. Oh, she loved it. She, her eyes teared up. And for years, she milked that perfume. She walked through the mist. The reason that I believe what Christ considered this woman did is beautiful is because she only had one thing on earth worth anything. And she handed it to Jesus all at once and broke it. See, some of you are trying to come to Christ in chapters. You're trying to progressively come. You're giving him a little more of you every year. That ain't how it works. He doesn't want part of your heart. And I'll be honest with you, he doesn't want more of your heart. He wants your heart. We don't do this progressive. The reason he described what this woman is doing is beautiful. She handed the one thing on earth that she had that was worth anything all at once. Stand with me this morning, if you will, quietly and reverently. Just bow your heads where you are, if you will. Now, you may have just eased in here this morning and realized, didn't realize that there even was a guest speaker. And that this is so different than what usually happens. But I promise you, this is, was designed by God. And it didn't happen that long ago. The pastor Ed called me. This was designed by God. And nothing this morning caught God off guard. And he knew you'd be here. And he knew there'd be this big boy with a lazy eye telling this story about Simon the leper. Some of you can identify with Simon. Something has come into your life like leprosy. It's trying to rob you of intimacy with the people you love and it's trying to rob you with intimacy in God. Some of you can identify with Lazarus. You've got a big, bad need that's been around a long time. You, instead of keep praying about it, you've almost lost the energy to pray about it, you're just going to treat it like weekend at Bernie's. You're just going to dress it up, prop it up in a corner, put a hat, sunglasses on it, and drag it to heaven with you. Let me tell you this this morning. Your problem might really, really, really rack you. It might really, really wear on you. It might really, really, really intimidate you. But I don't care how big and how bad and how far gone your issue is this morning. It 
does not intimidate Jesus. And as some of you can identify with this lady, you're letting selfish things you've done in the past stop you from what Christ is calling you to do today. Well, there may be somebody here who's kind of trying to just stick a toe in the water, kicking the tires. And today's the day you say, I'm not holding anything back. I want to give my heart to Christ. The worship team's going to lead us here in something. and I'm going to give you a minute and I'm going to yield this back over to our pastor. But if you're in here this morning and you say, Big Lee, would you remember me? Maybe you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you just can identify with Simon. Something's coming to your life that's trying to destroy your intimacy. Or maybe you can identify with Lazarus or maybe you just need a touch for the Lord or somebody to pray. We're going to have a time of prayer right here. If you're in here this morning with every head down and eye closed and you say, Big Lee, please remember me in prayer this morning. Just slip your hand right up and right back down where you are. Yeah, there's a lot of hands. They're going to sing something, and I'm going to come down front, and I'm not really, I can't pray any better than you. I'm, not, I'm no better at praying than Pastor Ed or anybody else. But God has sent me here today with this story for this moment. I'd like to pray with you. And then even if you don't come after the last amen, I'm going to hang around a few minutes. I'd love to pray with you. But if you just raised your hand, could I ask you to do something just a little bit more? When they begin to sing, if you're not embarrassed or if you can muster the strength, would you just kind of make a move toward Jesus? And if there are more than a couple people and more than need more than me up here, I know there's a prayer team here. I know there are people here that you know you have pastor's blessing to be a prayer worker in this altar. Come help us pray. I believe you'll make a move toward him this morning. He'll sprint to you. Praise Jesus. As they begin to sing, if you raise your hand or you feel the Lord tugging on your heart, I just want you to come this morning. 